Hey there, you're listening to What the Riff? Join us as we remember the great rock and roll hits from a month between 1965 and 1995. We're going to riff on all things about the bands, the members, and the goings-on during that time. We hope to inspire you to find and download the songs you hear today, whether you're fans who forgot about some of these tracks or maybe never even heard them before. Check out our blog at whattheriff.com or follow us on Facebook at What the Riff. Here's a shout-out to our sponsors, Right Column Financial, offering CFO and bookkeeping services for small business, Stanton Electric, a commercial electrical specialist, and Marbury Creative Group, a brand development agency that helps companies tell it better. So let's turn up the volume and enjoy this episode of What the Riff? President Reagan uses the term evil empire about the Soviet Union in a speech. A tornado tears through Los Angeles, injuring 33 people. And President Ronald Reagan introduces the Strategic Defense Initiative, also known as Star Wars. We're in March of 1983. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. And I'm Bruce. And welcome back, friend of the show, John Lynch. Hey, thanks for having me. It's been two years, but hey, glad to have you. Nothing's happened in those two years. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Rob brings us this album, and I think we're getting a little loose here, aren't we? Yes, we are. You're listening to On the Loose by Saga from their album, Worlds Apart. This is the fourth album by Saga. They're considered neo-progressive mm-hmm. in terms of their style. It didn't get a ton of play until... This song hit the charts, and it made it all the way to number 26 in 1983. This is a great song, man. It is. Of course, I like it because of all the keyboards. Yeah, yeah. As I said, it made it all the way to uh, number 26 on the Billboard Hot 100. you got to listen to Michael Sadler's voice. as That's the lead singer? Yeah, the lead singer is Michael Sadler. So I read up on this. I saw an interview on YouTube, and the producer, Rupert Hine, wanted him to have more kind of excitement in his voice, and they were recording in this barn, this English barn, and they put a ladder, and he goes, go up that ladder, and there was a microphone up on the rafter up there, and he goes, (laughs) I want you to sing it from up there. Wow. Listen to this. I mean, he was, like, literally nervous. (laughs) Wait, so this is the actual recording while he's on the ladder? Yes. He's up on a – he's sitting up on a rafter, apparently, uh, in the the barn, and they're recording That's not typically what they mean when they say, can you sing that one a little higher? Yes, exactly. I wonder what that barn animal thought of that. Yeah, right. I love them. They're a tight band. I mean – you're listening to Ian Crichton on guitar. His brother Jim Crichton is on bass guitar, and uh, they have quite a few keyboards. Jim Gilmore is also playing keyboard, lead synthesizer. I like but this. But listen little to all line. this. I mean, they're moving. I mean, it's just like they're going very fast. That is a that is a very '80s sound. Yes, like, yes that, that, that sort of sounds like Asia there a little That's bit. That's quintessential 80s. Like it you is. have a synthesizer like just working overtime. Yeah, you're right, John. It's just, it just it just kind of pings in the background over and over again. It's so good. And even the guitars. I mean, they're the guitars are moving. Listen here. So so strong here. These guys are Canadian. They're from Oakville, Ontario. 
And I was like, where's, Oak, where's Oakville? It's basically a suburb of Toronto, which is basically a suburb of Buffalo, New York. Right. <laughs> all right oh, there. better not tell that to the Canadians. Yeah, no, but Toronto is kind of a center for a lot of those folks because uh, when I think of, like, prog rock, Canadian prog rock, of course, Rush is the first one I think of. Triumph is the, the next one I think of, and Saga is, is the kind of forms the triumvirate in my mind. Yeah, um, Saga is actually... Uh, second most popular in terms of all their all their uh, m- musical collection to Rush. I mean, oh, Rush wow. is the okay. the lead. Yeah. This one just kind of fades out as it goes. I had a hard time trying to figure out, you know, what what do I want to cover? Um, because you know, there's some great great tracks on here, and I played the heck out of this album in 1983. So I'm going to go to a a little bit of a deeper pick here and you will remember this if you had the album if you didn't you probably don't know it but the name of the song is Time's Up and it sounds kind of like a clock in the background the way that they're doing the the syncopation how do you like that word Bruce? Nice yeah that's a that's a three dollar word for you it is it <laughs> is and I I really um, think in this instance that uh, Sadler sounds a lot like the lead singer of The Fix to me. And uh, that guy's name is Cy Curran. And I was just listening to some of the things. I thought, yeah, there's a little bit of similarity there. They came out about the same time, kind of had a similar track. Even a little bit of the cars here. You're right. It does kind of sound like the cars a little bit, yeah. God, I love the cars. So this song... uh, Michael Sadler on Song Facts was talking about the song. He said, it's about being a daydreamer. They bring in this kid's voice, Time's Up, which makes you think about where am I (laughs) in relation to when I was a kid. And he said, uh, it's about being a daydreamer, a man of inaction, sitting here saying, well, if I could do this, I could do that. And before you know it, time's passed you by. Well, you better get off your tush and start doing something, brother, because it's going to be too late to do something about it before you know it. So it's a little winsome. You know, you know what this this makes me this makes me I don't know why but it makes me think of Queen's for some reason. I could see that the it, like if Queen's you turn back the time and they came out in the '80s, I think they would sound a lot like this because it's that it's that multi-layered sound yes. going on that they do as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the voice is different, but. The rest of it kind of feels like it. It's, it's very it's, tightly produced, John. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. Even the. I mean, I'm hearing synth drums, so I'm not even hearing real drums. This is the. Yeah. This is drums. Straight synth drums. Um, I like. I, I I don't know if I've ever heard this song, but I like it a lot. It's really good. Listen to the special effects here. Following a telephone uh, line, right? <laughs> A lot of people sampled a lot back then. They did sample a lot. So, is there anything that you guys have ever wanted to do that you haven't done yet? You mean like skydiving or yeah, something like that? Yeah, yeah. You know, time's up. Like you said, you better get on your tush and do do it. You know. Yeah, I'd like to go. Uh, I'd like to go to Ireland. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's, that's a great fun. country. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh yeah, travel. You know, but I mean. 
It's always time and money, you know. If you had the money, you'd do it, you know. It's like to yeah. stand on a ladder and record a song. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've, I've ever thought. I'd like to stand on a ladder in a bar and record really? a song. Really? Every day I think that. <laughs> so that's not on your bucket list, huh? No, tomorrow I'm going to do it, and then it'll be, it'll be done. These guys were pretty young when, when this came out. And he's already in his 20s, and he's thinking about, am I wishing my life yeah. away? And I think it has a lot of meaning. By the way, if you do some research on Saga, you're not going to hear a whole lot about from the other band members, but um, Michael Sadler it was interviewed quite a few times uh, in, in different little documentaries that now, I saw. are they still around? Or are they doing touring? Or? Not right now. Uh, they, they're not doing touring, but they came out with an album in okay. 2021, called symmetry okay. and they take a lot of their old songs and they do them as acoustic songs oh, okay yeah. so oh, that's it's interesting different. yeah that's it's good. it's pretty cool and there's a video out there if you look up look up symmetry and look at the uh video uh videos they have they do it in a salvador dali style with all these different images hmm. i like dolly i yeah. have actually some dolly prints so this is another quintessential 80s sound from March of 1983. This is called The Interview. Sounds like a soundtrack to, to a movie. Just to, 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 It does, even, it? even like the Terminator at the beginning when all the lasers are shooting out. Yes. I know, the, I know who they remind me of now. I was yeah. trying to think of it. Men with hats. Ah. This sounds a lot like... Men without like hats. Men without hats. Listen. That's pretty cool. Yeah, you're right. They, they have they do have sound of a lot of different bands and I think it's because they do a lot of different things with their they're bringing in samples and doing different instruments and that kind of thing yeah I can hear it you could dance if you want to you can almost sing that over this yeah well I mean everybody has I mean the beats there's only so many beats well, you can have so, you know? so this is so to me this the 83 is influenced a lot by the advent of MTV. Yes. So like August of 81, August 1st, 1981, MTV airs and then like a lot of artists started pointing their direction of how can I get on this TV station? Right. Right. And and so they started making these songs that would just appeal to that audience. Yeah, it was definitely uh, making a lot of, getting a lot of attention. If you had a great video, then you know, that was just huge. Well, and two, you were in between, you know, you get to the late 80s and everything is very commercially produced, you know, million dollar videos is, is no big deal. At this point, it's someplace between concert footage and amateur, you know, video stuff. And, you know, it's just, it's a mis mishmash of, of creativity. I think that's what we're talking about, Men Without Hats with the video, their video, you know, they have a some some little people and they're all dressed like in a carnival from the 1600s you yeah know, i mean that's the nice thing about things like it I, looks like a rin fest yeah exactly like, yes. like like a rin fest on uh some kind of psychedelic <laughs> is happening this song uh if you listen he's kind of he's kind of talking to himself to multiple personalities it's called the interview listen here You can yeah. hear he's talking about the multiple personalities going around in his 
Ted. Oh, one thing okay. we must know. There's one thing I must know. There's one thing we must know. What's going on? So he's interviewing himself. Exactly. Exactly. Why can't you let go? Michael Sadler said he wanted to be a mix of Peter Gabriel and Freddie Mercury. That was his goal. Okay. In terms of his stage presence wow. and his singing and his. Well, those are two icons. I was about to say, he didn't set himself with a, a low bar there, did he? No. This was an interview uh, that, I, that I saw by Grant Moon. And he said, Peter Gabriel's been influential both musically and in the way he approached the role of frontman. Live, I try to be a, my best to be a hybrid of Peter and Freddie Mercury. So, you know, he knew he was going. So was that was right it. at that was right when Freddie Mercury was like a, a rock Oh, yeah. Guy. I mean, like, he if he walked on a stage, a million people were going to watch no matter what. And this is yes. not a deeper cut. So you remember this song. Sure, yeah. This is called Wind Him Up. And this has the same energy as On the Loose to me. Yeah. Do you remember this video? I don't. This this was this was a, a casino themed video where it was about, you know, going in and, and, and playing in the casino and that's actually what the lyrics are about too. Yep, it? it is. Yeah, Aldo's standing at a table. Wonder if he's able to pick the number right this time. In my head, I, I just see like these uh, eurythmic-looking females, like uh, dressed in that those those sharp shoulder yes, uh, and the suits suits, like just standing around. Like, yep. I mean, you can almost picture it with this this type of song. So you can tell that this song is the follow-up because it does have that energy. You just you, you, you can kind of feel it just yep. that same same upbeat. In fact, on the album, Wayne, it's the second song. So the album starts with On the Loose and goes right into Wind, okay. uh, wind Him Up. There's another song on here called Amnesia that's pretty cool. It's deeper cut. And then one called Framed. Those, those Framed has a lot of energy. I think Amnesia got a little bit of airplay. Yeah, I think it did, too. But it didn't make it did not make the charts. I remember I remember sitting in, in the car, my grandmother's car, and I'd hear the radio come on. I remember hearing the song. It's good memories. Do you really? Yeah, Isn't yeah, that yeah. Funny? It's funny when you when you hear a um you hear a song and it brings you back to something. Right. We had like four radio stations and three of them were country. Um, <laughs> and they all played like like sixties and seventies country music. And then you have like the one like the the off off brand radio station that played this stuff. <laughs> well, the thing is, is back in the day, you did not. I, I mean, when MTV was around, you turned off the radio. The radio really was the second second thing you would go to because the radio was that that really corporate rock type stuff and and top hits were just vanilla, you know, sailing by Christopher Cross. These are. These are longer. They're all longer than three minutes. So it yeah. is kind of that neo-progressive style. Listen here. The oh, I love this. They have these different little sections in the songs, too. On this album are two songs. One is called No Regrets, Chapter 5, and then No Stranger, Chapter 8. In their first four albums, they put together a series of eight songs, and they had chapter whatever after them, but they weren't in order. If you put them together, it's the story of Albert Einstein as a boy. Oh, that's amazing. I like yeah. it. 
Listen to the winding. Listen right here, special effects. And then they come in. And then they come in here with the uh, with the guitar. But you can just tell you you can feel anxious for Aldo, who's standing there trying to pick oh, yeah. the numbers right. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, what a quintessential '80s sound they've got, man. I mean, I know it's it's a lot of their bands tried to tried to master that synthesizer beat. Uh, yeah, in the echoey, the echo voice on the on the the lead vocalist. Here's that. They've got a thing. Here's that winding again. In the in the background, it's just like you hear this these bands tightening up. Yeah, and if you if you had the album, I don't know what your album looked like. Mine had a pair of sunglasses, a woman, right. just a white face with sunglasses. On one side was an old map. On the other side was the Cosmos. And uh, the one that really that they're more familiar with has an old guy in the corner looking at this map. And there's like smoke. He's looking at this old map. It's called Worlds Apart. And in an interview, Sadler said that they just found this guy out on the street. And they asked him if he would pose this album cover and he came in he he says he says uh i think his name was john and they gave him something like five quid and then he left huh. nice <laughs> so they don't even know who the guy is on <laughs> the album five bucks for him he became famous but there were multiple album covers so check it out if you've got an album yeah. and see what yours is and he said uh he was asked why was the world's apart album cover changed in the united states and he said because the american label likes chicks on the covers of albums they looked at our original art and said, what's up with this old guy on the cover? We're going to put a chick on there with a red car. Let's go. They never pressured us in any other way. They just wanted the cover to be more appealing to America. Hmm. Did you guys ever not buy an album because the cover didn't appeal to you? There were times that I was standing there and I would think, yeah, you know, I like this Led Zeppelin group, but... <laughs> But that old man on it, I don't, don't think that works for He me. said, I could see where a hot chick would be more appealing than an old guy with a map. Depends on if you're trying to get someplace or not. Yeah. This has got a phenomenal end. Thank you, Rob. Now we're going on to our entertainment track brought to us by Right Column Financial. And this is quite the change of tempo. As you hear these horns, you know what you know what it is. You know what it's from. Well, it's still running reruns, and I guess uh, everywhere else you can buy on demand now. But it's Little House on the Prairie, and they ended in March of 1983. Can you see the little girl running through the fields? Yeah. All right. So, like, so that little girl running through the fields, she fell, she falls down. Remember that? Yeah. Well, they didn't want her to fall down, but they recorded it, and then everybody liked it so much they were like, "Ah, let's leave it." Let's just leave it in. It's just so, cute. Yeah, it's super cute. So, like, all right, so me and my daughters and my wife, we like old TV shows. Like, um, Tell us about John. So, so we, we, uh, we've been watching basically all the old shows, um, but we started watching Little House on the Prairie. And so I, as we were watching it, I started reading up on it. And uh-huh. there's, a lot, there's a lot of like, uh, books put out by the people that were on the show. Uh, so Michael Landon, the, the guy that starred yes. in it, 
And he later uh, starred in Highway to, Highway to Heaven and a, a few other shows. But this was when he was Pa Ingles. Yeah, this is after, pa, pa after Bonanza. He was in Bonanza. Yeah, before P- that. Bonanza was when he was young, right? But like he ran the show, right? So like he produced it. He was the guy that like edited the scripts. He did everything. And uh, true story. He used to manipulate the script so that he would have to have his shirt off in almost every episode. <laughs> um, he was best friends with his wife on the show. I can't remember the actress's name. Oh now. yeah, I know. Um, all right, Bruce, about. put your shirt back on. Until... We do not want to see that. <laughs> right? Yeah. All right, Bruce. There you go. And, until halfway through, like the seasons, they ended up filming was like seven seasons, eight seasons. I can't remember now. But somewhere in the middle of there, he cheats on his wife in real life. And then he and the actress that is his wife on the show have this, like, falling out. So they have to go ahead and film the rest of these seasons, and, like, they kind of hate each other now. Mm, wow. So they ha- so you get real acting going on now. Yeah. That's not, that's method acting. Well, <laughs> else, right. Elsewhere in March of 1983 on TV, <laughs> uh, First Lady Nancy Reagan appeared on Different Strokes, beginning her Just Say No anti-drug campaign. Boy, that's been around forever. There was a... NBC broadcast a TV movie called Special Bulletin. I don't remember it, no. but it was a depiction of uh, nuclear terrorism in Charleston, South Carolina. Hmm. And finally, the Ninth People Choice Awards. Burt Reynolds, Jane Fonda, and Katherine Hepburn won in the motion picture area. And Tom Selleck, Linda Evans, and Lorda Swit lives in, wins in the TV section. Nice. Well, Tom Selleck, he's still on TV. Yeah, absolutely. All right, that's great. So now we're going to pick it up a little bit. Thank you, Bruce. I love this song. This is our staff pick from Bruce. What do you got? All right. This is Annie Freed Lingstad. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Better known as one of the A's in ABBA. We, we covered them a couple weeks ago. But she's go, she goes as Frida. And the song is I Know There's Something Going On. I don't think I've heard this since the 80s. Really? I mean, but you can tell the, obviously the ABBA influence and yeah. everything. But yeah. I I mean, I remember this song, but I don't remember hearing it since. It's uh, the, the song was released actually in August of 1982. But it took a while. This is the high water mark on the Billboard Hot 100. Uh, is, uh, is is number 13, and it's in March of 83. All right. So it took, this is kind of a slow burn, which is surprising because she was well-known. Right. You know, in fact, she's she's trying, and, and the song stayed, had a lot of staying power because uh, even though it didn't crack the top 10, it was still on the charts for 29 weeks, and it would be ranked at the end of the year as the 20th most popular song in 1983. So it was pretty popular. But but she was you can you can certainly hear ABBA in it, but she's trying to avoid the uh, ABBA pop sound. Yeah, here. the disco and everything else. This yeah. is definitely a little bit more harder rock, I guess. If there's some. Well, there. the song was written by Russ Ballard. Does that strike? Oh yeah, a- we've talked about Russ Ballard. Man, Russ Ballard's all over our he podcast. Is. He we, is. I don't. We had talked about him recently, but yeah, in the earlier podcast, I think every other song we were doing was a Russ Ballard song or uh, produced by him or something. He, else. he did art. He sang for Argent, and he wrote "God Gave Rock and Roll to You." He wrote "Winning," that Santana song. And he wrote, "You can do magic by uh, America." Yeah, he's got he's got quite the touch, doesn't he? What do you think about those drums? 
I was about to say, who does it sound like? I remember uh, something about the drums on this uh, on this song, and I was just double checking myself because I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to sound like an idiot, but we all know this drummer very, very, very well. Do you know who it is? Is it Neil Peart? No, no. no. Who's the Who's the next best drummer? Oh well, he wasn't alive at this time, so <laughs> this is. This is Phil Collins. Yes. Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah I really? guess you can't, you can't hear that Phil Collins speed. It sounds like in the air tonight, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. It does, yeah. So it, this, actually, the album was produced by Phil Collins, and he played the drums, and he contributes the uh, some backing vocals, too. That's what I was trying to remember if, if he's there. Yeah, in yeah. the background. I was like... I'm pretty sure this is the one. Then that uh, that sounds like Phil Collins, but I wanted to double check myself. That's right. The song itself is about a woman who's figures out that that her boy is cheating on her. So, oh and, no. You know, so this and like the video, it's about uh, the 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 boyfriend is a um, is a photographer, and she finds pictures that he had taken that kind of uh, document the infidelity. But she was a pretty big deal at the time, and there's a TV documentary that was made about the making of this album. Um, ABBA was still um, ABBA was still active. They were cl- finishing up right as she started recording this. And she was still married, I think, at this time, uh, because ABBA remembers two couples. That's right. That's right. That's right. The um, but so they've got documentaries of of shows the process of the album from day one until it was released. All right, thanks, Bruce. I, I was, it was good hearing that one. In That's six a great Wayne, song. Wayne hadn't heard it in a while, but Wayne's bringing us this next one here, and this is the one I get to say. Okay, Wayne. Yeah, it's not yeah. heavy metal. You had to go there. It's a little bit like the Straight straight Cats, isn't it? It is. It, is. it, has, that, it has that really good... It's fun. It it's, is. it's MTV all the way, man. Boy, is this not a poppy number. I mean, come on. <laughs> I remember... Back in the spring of 82, I was sitting out in the lawn with some friends in Auburn. And it was between classes. You know, usually you have an, like an hour between classes. And we were sitting around, and there was a girl there, um, and she was from England. And so this is sort of, you know, MTV started this uh, second British invasion, if you didn't know about it. Uh-huh. And I asked her, goes, goes, you know, what, what's, and I just started the radio station. I go, what's, what groups are coming up that I ought to be listening to? She told me about a group called Adam and the Ants. And um, Adam and the Ants was a punk rock group back in 77. And they were called initially the Ants. And then Adam and the Ants was the initial name. And they had a really good success in Great Britain, of course, with the big punk rock scene that they had there. But in the United States, it just was not filtering in. We, we really weren't appreciative of that. So Adam, his real name is Stuart Goddard said there wasn't enough enthusiasm for the true the Adam and the Ants to exist so they left with one other member and he called himself Adam Ant to not compete and this song is Goody Two Shoes at that point he was competing with a cartoon <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> I love the swing sound of this like the the swing dance 
the rockabilly, lots of horns, and the drums. The drums just... It's, it's, you, I can't consider it rockabilly, though, because it's too produced for that. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. To me, I, I was not a fan when it came out. I might have a little more appreciation for it now. But, uh, but this, not much more appreciation. This was, yeah, this was not my style. <laughs> right. What was interesting is that uh, Adam, Adam Ant, um, this is sort of a kind of biographical song with him because people kept on asking him, goes, what's with this goody tissue? Because you guys know what a good t- goody tissue is. Oh, right? yeah. Right. You know, it's someone who's just, who, who basically is, is kind of holds her nose up at anybody that kind of does anything that's kind of out of the normal. And, and she and, won't and, do anything. Yeah, and it won't do anything. Well, he was sort of like that. He didn't do drugs. He went, went into the, the alcohol. He didn't smoke. His big vice was sex. So, I was going to say, know. he was like Michael Landon taking his shirt off every chance <laughs> right. he got. There's only one Michael Landon, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, people couldn't believe it, you know, because, you know, it, you guys remember how he dressed? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the puff, the puffy shirt. Yeah, yeah puffy shirts. Yeah, he was like a pirate or whatever else. You know that that seventeen hundreds look, tri-corner hat, and everything. And then you know he had like war paint on. I mean, it was just. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Listen, man, you got to play to the MTV camera. That's true. It, it was. It, it is glam pop, is what they call it. So it's just tongue-in-cheek music. I mean, it was a fun. All right, that's amazing. Thanks, Wayne. That's great. Now we're going to move on to hear from our guest, John Lynch. Speaking of amazing, a great amazing tune. What yeah. do you have here? So uh, this is a song that at the when it when it first came out, I didn't appreciate it like I should have. Okay, I, my appreciation didn't form for this song, this particular song, until m- maybe three years ago, when. Um, on YouTube, everybody and their brothers started remaking this song. Yes, with all kinds of different instrumentals. Uh, and once I started down that that trail of listening to this song and the instrumentals and the remakes of this song, I got like addicted to it. I yeah. got, I like, I could not stop watching videos of people like covering this song. And why why was it so popular at that time, John? Why was it popular? Yeah. What what made it? What was what caused the resurgence? Oh, people were stuck in their home from COVID. That's one reason. Uh, everybody was sitting around bored, uh, remaking <laughs> songs, and like so. Like I've wa- I've watched this song be remade in like eight bit video game uh, soundtracks. Uh-huh. Um, people like just doing the entire song on like a, a bottle top, uh, and like they do a really good job yeah. if you listen to it. So like YouTube is a is a playground for this song. So most of our listeners know that Wayne is not a fan of Toto. Well, I, I like Hold the Line. That was oh, my, yeah. my favorite song of theirs, but yeah, this is just this. Why is do you why do you hate all, why do you hate Aussies? <laughs> I, I mean, obviously that's what's so, going on. Yeah, right? Toto is a is a really uh, it, it, they're one of my favorite bands, and this is probably one of my favorite al- albums. But this is the song that got so much airplay, I got tired of it. They've got some amazing tracks. I'm hoping to cover this album at some point. If, if Wayne will go out of town, we'll just cover it. That no, <laughs> you, you strap him in that chair, and we're gonna we're gonna have a little little uh, recalculation of, of Wayne's brain, and he's gonna come out shock treatment. Oh. Right? Yeah, yeah. You're you're gonna be a fan, super fan. We pick up on them a lot, and a lot of the a lot of the members they were session musicians, and they played as backup groups to a lot of really 
really big stars. Yeah. And then eventually they said, hey, let's just do our own thing. And if you've seen a live concert with them, it's pretty amazing because they have all this instrumentation. They've got all these instruments going on, and it's really entertaining. They're very, very talented. Wayne, listen to those vocals. What a, what a majestic singer. Now, I'll tell you, I loved this song the first time I heard it. It was overplayed. I did not care. I enjoyed it from day one until now. It's got that vocal range. It's got the harmonies. It's it's just got it all, man. Bruce is now my new favorite person on planet Earth. <laughs> <laughs> he and I are going to hang out and watch Toto. We're going to drag Wayne into this. All right, the only thing I have to say is top hits of March of 1983. That, yeah, <laughs> Africa, the end. <laughs> Billie Jean, Michael Jackson. Shame on the Moon, Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band. The Stray Cats Strut by the Stray Cats. We just talked about them. Do You Really Want to Hurt Me by the Culture Club. Hungry Like the Wolf, Duran Duran. Now, someone may uh, do that album eventually. Back on the Chain Gang, The Pretenders. I think we did that album, I sure recall. What a, if you look, look at those, just those hits, what a variety you've got in there. Oh, yeah. You know? Wayne, do you, do, you, do you bless the rains in Africa? I think you're starting to feel it. Sure as Kilimanjaro it. rises like Olympus above the Serengeti. I, I just, it really, that line is amazing. <laughs> just, do you know how long it took me to figure out what it was that they were saying? Oh, this at was, the time, I had no this idea. This was pre-Google, folks. You, what, what are they talking about? Now, my big thing was, really, I was in college at this time, and this song, oh, God, it was played over and over again. I was again. seven. And it was, yeah. <laughs> you could have gone all day without saying that, John. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, they, they've they used this in a lot of different um, ads. You know, you've, you've heard it. And uh, there was a note uh, that it's been on Stranger Things, South Park, Community, The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. And you're right. It just really took off a couple years ago. But that's but a le- good pick. But let's let's also be be honest about it. The video is one of the worst videos ever made. It's they had to. They, they did awful. it on purpose because the song was so good. They had to even <laughs> they had it out. To tone it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh god. All <laughs> right. Let All me right. get us out of there. We're All gonna... right. Rob's going to bring us his staff pick. Finally, we're out through that song. <laughs> we'll turn it up a little bit here. Oh, nice. We actually thought when this was available as a staff pick, haven't we done this before? No, we have not. But we have done Peter Gabriel, and this is. Shock the Monkey. This peaked at number 29 on the charts. And Gabriel, you might think about, you know, what is this about? And he said, Shock the Monkey is a love song that examines how jealousy can release one's basic instincts. The monkey is not a literal monkey, but a metaphor for one's feelings of jealousy. So it's a love song. I thought this was just what you guys were going to talk about me when you played... Uh, the whole Toto soundtrack and me being shocked in my yes. in my seat. Shock Wayne. Shocked into the love of Toto is what it is. <laughs> do you do you remember this video? This was a cool video. It was a weird video, wasn't it? It was weird. So Peter Gabriel's dressed in business attire and he's sitting in this room and a projector's running and it's showing things on the wall. And and 
It's got a little bit of stop motion in it, and it's just kind of a dark feel. And then you go to the other side of the wall, and it's Peter Gabriel dressed as a shaman. He's got white paint on his face, and he looks really kind of creepy. But what's playing on the on the uh, film reels is uh, little capuchin monkeys. <laughs> so it's, why? It's just going back and forth, and it's like a split personality, and he's becoming more and more agitated. I guess that's his point of jealousy. He just like he's just getting all wrapped up in himself. But man, didn't he do the weirdest video? He did, but. He- you know, well, you're Peter Gabriel. You can do whatever you want. Oh, yeah. Pretty much. And I think it's kind of apropos that uh, I got to feature him as my staff pick, knowing that Michael Sadler from Saga said he was so heavily influenced by Gabriel. You know what they're saying there? Bruce is Bruce is mouthing it. It's shock. Yep. Now, we did the Us album as a, as an album pick a it was either back. us or we so, so. <laughs> we, did we did so, so. Oh, okay i'm sorry <laughs> i get them confused all the time this is such a quintessential gabriel sound too man. oh he, yeah he's doing the lead and the backing vocals programming he's got a profit five a lin lm1 a fairlight cmi synthesizer and sequencing i mean he's got his hands in all this stuff he's like the early 80s nine inch nails basically yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny because I remember when this played um, in March of 1983. I was a junior, and my friends and I would, you know, always say, What do you listen to? Spank the monkey? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right. Let's pull up from the uh, the 12 year old. Uh, yeah. Better thoughts. Yes. <laughs> oh, that wasn't 12. That was, that was 16. <laughs> Clearly. I was thought you were going to say that was yesterday. <laughs> Could have been, for sure. You know that he was originally the lead singer for Genesis, uh, which is, again, interesting. We had Frida with uh, mm. Phil Collins playing there. And he, he really uh, he had a great hit, and we've covered Salisbury Hill uh, when he left in 1975. And we covered his 1986 album, So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Bruce did actually. What do you think his most successful single single was? Games Without Frontiers. Uh, I would think Sledgehammer. Sledgehammer, Sledgehammer. for sure. For sure. Yeah. He got nine MTV awards, and it was MTV's most played music video of all time. Sledgehammer. Now that's a cool video too. Yeah, that was the uh, Max Hedrum era yeah. of uh, TV. The stop motion. Yeah. And I will say I love Peter Gabriel so, and. Uh, that entire album is terrific. I did not care for Sledgehammer just because, like Africa, overplayed. Got overplayed. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was definitely overplayed. But that's a fantastic. Yeah, album. they overplayed that big time. <laughs> <laughs> well played, Wayne. Peter Gabriel was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2010 for his role in Genesis, and then in 2014. He was inducted as a solo Solos. performer. That's quite a feat. Mm-hmm. What's well, interesting, Genesis was a lot more pop and popular after he left. Because obviously it was so avant-garde at the time. But, you know, Peter Gabriel was also more popular after he left. Yeah. Although he stayed on that prog rock kind of fringe. It was definitely good for both, both uh, yes. properties. <laughs> I agree. We've had a lot of really good 
80s sounds here on this podcast. And we're going to continue that with our instrumental. This is very, very well known. What, a, what an awesome uh, instrumental. Now, you want to talk about videos that are completely out there? <laughs> this one. This one, my friends, is the finest, weirdest video ever made. We will post all these videos on our Facebook page and share them there. But yeah. All right, usually at this time we kind of catch back what we didn't get to earlier. Um, music of March of 1983, MTV broadcasts for the first time Billie Jean. And that was the first video of a black artist to gain major airplay on MTV. So hmm. if you remember, you know, MTV was sort of considered that the, the white bands and everything. And then when Michael Jackson Thriller album came out, suddenly... Here, here it came. It was on rush, and you know we we talked about Prince and several other groups that came through. That, that finally it kind of ended up being a really really good time for MTV. I, I really want to see Wayne breakdance right now, <laughs> right now. Get it, Wayne? Did Go. you ever? Did you ever? Uh, I need break my dance? cardboard. No, I didn't. Get your cardboard out. We we'll find you some cardboard here somewhere. <laughs> I can yeah, I can roll around on the ground. That's about yeah. it. Yeah, you know. Oh, let me do the worm thing. Let me mention this is Rocket by Herbie Hancock yes, from yeah. his album Future Shock. In case you didn't know that. This is a true story. Vin Diesel, I posted this on 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 the geek thing. Vin Diesel was he got his first recording uh, contract was to make a how to break dance video back in the early 80s. <laughs> And I swear to you, it's amazing. Look it up on YouTube. Watch the Vin Diesel breakdancing tutorial. It is awesome. Nice. We'll have, to, we'll have to post that one, too. That's a good good note there, John. Neil Young cancels the remainder of his tour after collapsing backstage in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, he played for 75 minutes and then just collapsed. So yeah, he's still out there touring. Some of the albums that came out, OMD. I'd like to cover them. Tears for Fears, an early album of theirs called The Hunting, or The Hurting, I'm sorry. Europe had their debut album, Europe. I don't know if that's the one with the final countdown in. No, I think that was a little later. Pink Floyd had the final cut, and that was their final album with them all together. They would divide up, and three of them would go one way, called Pink Floyd, and the other one would be Roger Waters. ZZ Top had their biggest selling album, Eliminator. Oh man, what an album! Yeah, we may have to do that as a sta- uh, as an album picks eventually. Frank Zappa, I think he put an album a year out. So, Roxy Music, Van Morrison, Mark Knopfler put out a single album, you know, with just not with the Dire Straits, oh. just himself. The Naked Eyes and the Tubes. Listen to that turntable. All right, we didn't get into films of March of 1983, but there was a few of them that were pretty wild. Monty Python's The Meaning of Life. Oh, great, wow. Great movie. I don't remember seeing it. You've never ha- seen that? I don't think I have. I'm, oh I, we're gosh. a Monty Python fan, so I, I'm if just going to have to If this wasn't down. college football day, I'd yes. say you need to leave here and immediately go watch immediately it. Immediately watch it. <laughs> let's play Find the Fish. But let's keep our priorities straight, John. <laughs> football, then Monty Python. 
There was a big movie called The Outsiders, and it's sort of a Francis Ford Coppola film, but there were so many actors in this that it would Huge. end up just going, see Thomas Howell, Rob Lowe, Millie Estevez, Matt Dillon, Tom Cruise, Patrick Swayze, Ralph Macchio, and Diane Lane all were in this movie. I mean, that's that's some acting. It was based on a really good book, I yeah. think. Rumblefish, wasn't it? Yeah. Now, there's these movies that came out, there were sex comedies, and Spring Break, which was based in Fort Lauderdale. And Porky's? My, and sort of like that. I mean, that's, this is what resulted after Porky's. My tutor. And, folks, I'm going to tell you, back in the day, you had to go to the movies if you are going to see any type of nudity, especially if you're a, a young 16-year-old. Right, Rob? You're going <laughs> to see, you're gonna see you like four, me? four seconds of Elizabeth Shue. Yeah, really. <laughs> All right, and the final movie that uh, was really, really good, Bad Boys. If you guys, uh, it was uh, Sean Penn was in this, and it was basically about a bunch of uh, young juveniles in JV. I don't know if you've, uh, Juvenile Detention Center. I actually had a cousin that was uh, part of that. Bad and, boy. And yeah, he was a bad boy and had to go visit him. Scared you straight, didn't it? I, I it scared him. It scared me. I, I didn't want to do anything. Well, you've been listening to What the Riff in March of 1983. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm John. And I'm Bruce. Thank you, John, for coming. Hope you guys enjoyed it. See you guys next time. Rock it. Thanks for listening to What the Riff. We hope you enjoyed the songs we had on tap today. Please tell your friends about us. Check us out at whattheriff.com and follow us on Facebook. Special thanks to our sponsors, Wright Column Financial, Stanton Electric, and Marbury Creative Group. That's all for this week. See you next week on What the Riff?